the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Hello and welcome to Hi Kids. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Abby Feldman and I'm 12 years old. Coming up on the Hi Kids show today, we have Harry Sederopoulos. Sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. Here are the details. If you have any questions for my guest or you want to answer the riddle or you just want to message, send a message, MS, ah, SMS in to just say hi, please SMS 34519. The charge is at 1 Rand 50. You can send a WhatsApp on 062-148-2374. Please sign your name. Get ready for an interesting show on Ha Kids this afternoon. This is Ha Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Abby Feldman and I'm 12 years old. We're starting a very cool new feature on the Hi Kids show where we bring one of our special listeners. And if you want to find out a bit more, you can SMS, you can, you can send an email to matt at chiafm.com. Coming up, we've got the Hi Kids riddle where you can win a prize on Kid & Co. If you are one of the first person people to get the answer right. Remember, if you want to win and you've entered in the last 90 days and won, you can still enter but you can't win a prize. Also, I have Harry Sideropoulos, a comedian actor with me in studio. So if you have any questions for him, please send an SMS to 34519 or WhatsApp on 062-148-2374. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Abby Feldman and I'm 12 years old. I have Harry Sideropoulos with me in studio. But before I speak to him, let's wrap up the riddle. The riddle was, I'm tall when I'm young, but I'm short when I'm old. What am I? The answer was a candle. So, hi Harry, how are you? How are you? It's nice to be mm-hmm. back here again. The last time I was here was with your father. Okay. And I um, and I was late. <clears throat> no, actually, the, the I missed both interviews, and I only managed to get the third one. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> so he blasted me, but he was very generous. He was very generous about it. Yes. Okay, I'm so happy you survived that to be here. So we have a few questions, and we're going to ask them. Sure. So, what do you do? What is a comedian? <sighs> a comedian. We sit around at coffee shops and we look at people and we listen and we sit around at dinner parties and we listen and we take what's real and we interpret it on stage in a, in a one hour long monologue where we, uh, we kind of comment on what happens because nothing, yeah. I mean, look, there's obviously the stuff that we make up, but, um, <laughs> you know, but sometimes, not sometimes, all the times, uh, what is true is just far better than fiction. Yeah. So most of the stuff that I've done on stage, I'm not a comedian. I'm an entertainer. So what happens is I, uh, my stuff is not, you know, a comedian is, you know, tells a, a joke every four seconds. Uh, the, you know, I do anecdotal stuff. So my mm. stuff is theatrical, but I, I love the fact that I can, uh, create these little fictitious worlds of truth. Mm. So these are things that happen at coffee shops or stories that people heard. That's what comedian is. And, and we make people forget the reality. So you basically have your own little Game of Thrones show. It's my own little Game of Thrones show. I love sitting at coffee shops and yeah. making up, looking at people yeah. and then creating stories about who they are and what they do. 
Okay. I love that. Like <laughs> you see two people having an intense conversation with each other, and then I start creating stories about. So what, you're basically a paid stalker. I'm a paid stalker. I'm a paid stalker. Okay. And the chances are that if I have any kind of interaction with you and you say something interesting or alarming, it will be used somewhere. Names, of course, won't be used, but uh, I do use them. I do. A lot of stuff, a lot of stuff happens like that. <laughs> okay. Um, where have you performed that you're most proud of? Uh, you know, but every little experience on stage is, is, is special. I think uh, the stuff that I'm really, very proud of is the work that I've been doing overseas in the mm. past eight years. I've been performing in um, Toronto and Montreal, yeah. uh, in America, Florida, Miami, uh, which was now in February of this year. So the overseas stuff is beautiful. And I'll tell you why, because it's a new audience mm. and you also don't know them. Yeah. You know, I have a rapport with an audience in, in Johannesburg. I don't have one overseas. Yeah. So that, that challenge is lovely. And when your work translates successfully to an international audience, uh, that is fabulous. And now what happens is I'm from December to April. Mm. I live in Athens in Greece. Okay. And uh, that was a decision that I made two years ago so that I can, I just love living there. But I also love uh, the theatrical scene mm. there. So that's been yeah. one of my biggest projects to date. So you were saying how here everyone knows you and all of that in America. How do you advertise yourself to get people to come to your show how do you do all of that where people are like oh this guy looks hilarious Let's go it's and see quite that. astonishing actually um we are un unfortunately in johannesburg specifically mm. johannesburg not so much cape town uh it's very hard to bring people to the theater mm. it's very hard uh when i'm overseas look obviously the producers uh, you know yeah. they've got their marketing machines but uh People are very much theater. Uh, mm. It's part of their DNA, yeah. especially in Greece and especially in, in America. And I'm not talking about middle America, okay? Mm. But um, so they see an advert in the newspaper of, of a show and w what the thematic nature of the show is. And they go, ah, okay, this, uh, this looks good. We're going to come. Mm. And that's what it was. So it's, it, it, you know, for me to sell out in Joburg, um, you know, my pop-up theaters, it's a yeah. lot of hard work. We achieve it, but it's a lot of hard work. You know, there it's people just go mm. and you see all ages. Yeah. So you'll see from like 15 year olds all the way up to, you know, to 80 year olds. Yeah. So that's how they do it. Mm. First of all, they've got the machine behind them, but they very much love the arts. So yeah. they don't, they don't need to know someone mm. to want to go and watch something. Yeah. And have you ever suffered from stage fright? If so, do you have any advice for people who do? It's not it's not stage fright as such. It's um someone said it very beautifully and I can't remember who it was, some famous person. Um they said because uh, I have a, I'm, I'm always very nervous before mm. I go out. Always, always, always. Even though now 43, I've been doing this for 18 years, I still get very, very nervous. And whoever this famous person was said that nerves are the respect that we as actors give to an audience. Okay. So uh, I have nerves, and I think my biggest fear, especially the older I get, is remembering the bloody lines. You know, especially when you're doing a one-man show and you've got yeah. like 48 pages of, of dialogue. And if you hit a blank, sorry for you. And that's the biggest thing because those five seconds until your brain does this this 360 turnaround to remember what comes next, those five seconds feel like eternity and you have an audience that's just sitting and watching. That for me is yeah. is the is, is 
is the part that I fear the most. That actually was my next question. Have you ever forgot your um, life well, on stage? All and the what, time. What do you do in that situation? Like? All the time. Luckily, because of my style, mm-hmm. uh, there's many times where, I, especially now in the last season of uh, the Homer Gila, I did forget my lines at some point, and I went, I forgot what was I, what was I saying? What yeah. was I saying? And the audience went, uh, they did. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was a Jewish audience, of course, they yeah. answer back. <laughs> yeah, correct. They you said you were talking, food. you were talking about your mom and the guilt, and I go, my mom and the guilt, my mom. Oh yes, okay, fine. That's <laughs> fine when you're doing this, yeah. but when you're doing a play. Mm. Where you're not playing yourself mm. uh, It's a very different uh, It has happened And you somehow You somehow find a way of Kind of maneuvering With mm. long words and very dramatic pregnant pauses Until you yeah. kind of find it And it's terrifying It is It's just It's terrifying But not as terrifying as getting the giggles on stage I have I've I've been on stage at the Johannesburg Civic Theatre where we call it corpsing. That's what it's called, corpsing. Corpsing in theatre terms is when you uh, when something happens and you break character and you laugh okay. and you giggle. And that happened on stage. We had a very uh, bizarre-looking woman who who kept speaking and shouting to herself. And um, she also had pink hair, which didn't help the process. <laughs> no. Um, and and we stopped, we got the giggles, and we couldn't deliver the lines. And that is that. You think of every most appalling atrocity in the world to try and not laugh. Yeah. That is, it's it's. You try and think of of horrible thoughts so that yeah. you don't laugh, and it, it doesn't work. Doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work. It's terrible. It's terrible. But like, if you like on stage a one man show and you laugh, isn't that like? Doesn't it give character? That absolutely. When it's a one man, of course, that happens because there's a rapport with the audience. Yeah. Like now with the Homer Gilla, it was a conversation really that I was mm. having with the audience. So when you have that conversation, you 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 know you there's no wall. Yeah. It's just you and them. So you know there was a woman once in the front row in the season who was just laughing hysterically, and of course then the audience started laughing at her, laughing at, at me, mm. uh, and then of course I just started laughing because she yeah. really had a, a very infectious laughter. That's different, and it's yeah. fine because it's it's the style of the mm. uh, of the of the piece. But when it's a play yeah. or a musical, and Ooh. you've got to come on 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 stage at a certain time, and you don't, and you forget your lines, that's quite devastating. So, what do you do in that situation where you? On like a play, you have to deliver something, and you start laughing. You're saying how you think of like terrible things or whatever, but like you don't. Do you- the, I mean, the audience pick it up. How do you the audience recover? Because all I mean, all they can see is you turning your back, and they're just hearing. <laughs> That's the sound that you make when you turn your. Oh, head. okay. So yeah, I mean, you you the audience sees it. I mean, mm. unfortunately, um, and it's it's I mean it's it's not. It's not nice, but it yeah. happens. We're also human, and um, and it's also. I mean, it's it's lovely stories to tell afterwards. Yeah. Well, whilst it's happening, it's quite devastating. So before we came on, we were talking about how um, <clears throat> people sometimes people performers, whatever, aren't really social people like they put out. Mm. And what are your thoughts on that? Um. Personally, look, I am social. Yeah. After a show, I will certainly go and, 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 and meet up and hook up and take pics with an audience because they are the audience that support me. Okay. So I feel very, I feel very strongly about that. Mm. Um, however, I, because I spend my life performing, mm. I, in my off time, I don't really want to be very social. So, you know, I, I'll go very, I'll go to very specific type of shows mm. and, uh, 
you know, I'll go to like a matinee performance or a, a, a Tuesday night performance where it's a lot quieter. Yeah. I hate opening nights, so I don't do opening nights. Okay. Um, like last night, by the way, for your listeners as well, you must go and watch uh, the show at uh, uh, the Theatre on the Square, Daphne okay. Kuhn, An Afternoon with Freud. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's truly, truly phenomenal. Um, I did that last night. And very, so I like quiet things. Mm. I, I think when I was younger, I, I loved the whole largesse of partying and dinner parties and all of that. I'm just, I'm, I'm gutful. I'm tired. And <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'd rather spend quality time with two or three people. And um, I, I just... I, Oof. And also we have such terrible service in these mm. restaurants in this town So I get very frustrated every time I go out okay. So I'd rather just, you know, be at home <laughs> What's the worst advice you've been given? Sure, the worst mm. advice I've been given The problem is I don't listen to many people's advice So um, <laughs> to my detriment <laughs> So I don't know, what is the worst advice? I have to think about that Can we get back okay. to that question? I can't I need to think about that So the next question is What's the worst and best Jewish food? Okay, first of all, let's start with the best. Okay. I can't call it food because it's baking, but challah bread. Yeah. Challah. And the way my friend Adrian Behek makes her challah, mm. I promise you I can literally clap that entire challah bread with like one cup of coffee. No problem. I'm not proud of that, but I do. I love, no challah bread. I love challah bread. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it when they, not everybody, but some people also put the... Uh, the sugar on top Yeah, the stroisel Yeah, that's it Which <gasps> drives me crazy The worst has to be Please forgive me But truly It has to be uh, Gefilte fish And uh, And matzo ball soup I'm sorry I'm sorry Ooh, okay. I'm sorry I'm sorry I, I, I'm sorry Okay I get gefilte fish let, let, Let's move that way But why why are you targeting the soup? Because it's just, it's just, it's just like three big balls of starch. And you seem to have a problem with that. Because it doesn't really have much taste. And I know people have been so upset. They've come to me because I talk about that in my show. I talk about, I said, you know, like. Uh, I'm offended. No, no, and they do. They get offended, but they're offended in a very nice way, come with a smile. But I do. I mean, you know, I, I do. You you come from a, you know, the, the, the Jewish folk come from a, a background of amazing culinary, you know, history. And, you know, and you, out of that. You know, you give me gefilte fish and 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 and, and matzo ball soup. Yeah, I, I, I can't. They, they found a way to help you chew soup. What? What's? No, no, <laughs> no. It's probably about the only thing that I I I find problematic within your culture. Probably it's probably the only thing that is 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 matzo ball soup, which is great because that means that everything else I'm very cool with. Matzo ball soup I can't. Uh, Why? Because it's stodgy. Because matzahs, I mean, I mean, why, why matzah bread in itself? Okay, you go, you wake up in the morning and eat matzah bread. Have you, ever, have you ever tried that with a layer of Nutella or something? Yes, put Nutella, put Nutella on a on a on a bougainville, it'll taste great, you know. But I mean, you know what I'm, but I mean? I uh, no, no, no. You can't like, like by itself, like matzah by itself. Have, have you ever you like tasted like which ones are you like tasting? Are you tasting like the ones I'm on like Pesach where the, they just like crumple up like a potato and like throw it in your soup? Or are you like tasting like the good quality ones? <laughs> My darling, I taste the very good quality and I just need to warn you that you're not gonna win this battle. You Why know, not? you're not you're not gonna win it. It's no, like no, you can't, I but, can, but I, can. I also feel the same way about Provita. 
Like, I feel exactly the same way about Provita. Do you know what I mean? So, Provita, matzo balls, uh, just matzo. You know. Okay, we have to move on. But one thing I want to say is, yes. no hope in hell you winning this argument. I am winning this argument. No, you're not. You this are Feldman. trying to argue with a 12-year-old girl. Not going to work. Yes. Hello, I am Greek. I've got two godchildren. One is nine and one is 14. I've got I a family of 20. <laughs> please, please. And remember, I'm 43. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> okay. Um, we're gonna get back to this. We're just gonna play a song quickly. This is Ha Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Abby Feldman. I'm 12 years old. I'm talking to Harry Sideropoulos and we're gonna carry on asking you a few questions. Mm. So the first, well, the question I'm gonna ask you is, how did you get started with stage, like performing and whatever? And did you do anything before that you loved? Uh, Look, I've, I've been performing since three years old in front of my parents. Uh, every time they told me something, I would perform. But okay. no, I, I'm I'm um, I quite I, I studied uh, interior design, which is not interior decorating; mm-hmm. it's interior design. What they call it, architecture and design, uh, at Wits Technicon. And I did that, and then I realized that that's not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I loved it. I, I still love design, and I love mm-hmm. architectural spaces and all of that kind of stuff. But um, I didn't want to do it, you know, for a living. Yeah. Um, so I, I then, you know, when you're young, mm-hmm. you have a lot of, uh, uh, a lot more confidence and a lot more, uh, you're a lot more belchy in your opinion. Mm-hmm. And and I and I went up to very big actors. The yeah. late, the late Bill Flynn, people like Sandra Prinsloo. These are huge. I mean, Sandra now is in her late seventies. I mean, in her early seventies. I shouldn't be saying that. But I went, to, you know, up to those people, and they yeah. were the people that that kind of guided me. And mm. um, so that's how I started. And then um, I was very fortunate at the beginning of that career, which was I was age twenty three. I got a job on the radio. Yeah. Uh, and I, I I was there for six years. I got a job on the ninety four point seven Eiffel Stereo Rude Awakening. Mm. And I was there for six years with Jeremy Mansfield, and then I left, and I. I, and ever since I've been producing mm. theatre. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. So what is the dumbest joke you've made or someone has told you that made you laugh? The dumbest joke, um, you know that I can't think of this on the spot. Um, I've still got to answer your other question, which yeah. I haven't come um, back to. The other to. question what was, was, what's the worst advice you have been given? Um, the worst advice, really, and I mean yeah. this, uh, and I know that they all mean well. When when parents and loved ones tell you, just do something so that you can fall back on. Because the reality is that this falling back on something, yeah. whether it's law or whether in my case architecture and design, mm. when you've been out of the industry for 25 years, I can't even draw on a computer. Ah, all right. Okay. So this thing about falling back, they mean well have something to fall back on but no one ever really falls back on what they studied very few people did uh, what is good advice uh, which sometimes does not agree with one's parents so I hope I'm not up- upsetting anyone is that you've got to do what makes your heart yeah you know what makes your heart happy but having said that you can't make up that mind at 16 mm. you know you've got to be a little bit older and and mom and dad's there to guide you but it's important to be Truthful to who you are and what it is that you want to do and what really makes you happy. Uh, and also realize that there's consequences to following your dream. And there's a lot of hard work that you need to do. Uh, that's my answer to that one. I can't think of a funny joke that, that, that I got wrong. So then this is going to put you on the spot. Oh, boy. What's, yeah. the fav- what's your favorite joke to tell? 
My favorite joke to tell, you really are putting me on the spot. Mm. My brain is, my brain only starts functioning after half past seven in the evening. Um, That's healthy. Um, my favorite uh, joke is, um, my line about, um, about Canadians. Because when I was in Canada, I, and performing, there were obviously a lot of expats that came to watch the show. And, mm. Uh, they all said to me, many of them said to me, now we've been living here for, you know, like five years, six years, 10 years, 15 years. And we, um, we just, you know, we love it here. We love, have you ever thought of leaving? Mm-hmm. And I said, not leaving. I said, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I kind of want to, I like popping in and out of places. So yeah. home is for now here in Athens and then mm-hmm. in between everything can happen. So they said to me, don't you, um, don't you want to rather come here? Cause also there's no crime here. We have no crime. To which I, you know, I started giggling and I went, I mean, you know, they're going on about, you know, we don't have any crime, you know, I mean, at literally 35 degrees below zero, who the hell is going to leave their home to steal a plasma TV? Like, really, like, how bad did you really want to watch Game of Thrones? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I love that line because it's just such a, uh, it, it always brings the house down because also because Canadians are very, I mean, blessed them, but they're very polite and very, they're very vanilla. Mm. Um, mm. in their way. So, uh, you know, this thing of, you know, we're so proud, you know, we, we, you know, we got no crime. You know, yeah, it's not any doing of yours. You know, it's 35 degrees below zero. That's why you got no crime. No one in their right mind is ever going to leave their home. I like that one. I like that one. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite part of this job? Uh, that I make people forget and the reality and that I make people laugh. I love seeing people laugh. Mm. I do. I love, I love it. It makes me very, very happy. We don't laugh enough. I laugh a lot. Um, I think we're living in very challenging times and I think we need to escape our reality sometimes and laughter is always the best medicine. And also, I know that sounds very Oprah, but uh, it's we need to laugh. The only way we mm. can deal with crisis and disasters and things that are not very nice is through laughter. Yeah, uh, that's how we tell stories. That's how we manage to process things. It's through laughing. So that's for me. It's, it's people that, you know. If people don't have a sense of humor, like I can't sit at the mm. table with them. Like I can't. Like I need someone who yeah. understands humor and, and is witty and is, and, and that can laugh and that's not so serious because life mm. is already serious. Life is very serious. Yeah. So you need these pockets and a lot of these pockets of just, uh, of just abandon. Mm. So, um, besides this interview, <clears throat> what's the weirdest question you've been asked? The weirdest question I've been asked mm-hmm. is, um, years ago, many, yeah. many years ago, uh, <laughs> there was a journalist, and I'll never forget him, his name was Sylvester, because the only Sylvester that I know is either Sylvester Stallone mm. or Sylvester the Cat from the cartoon. I don't know any <laughs> other Sylvesters. And he was a journalist uh, working at the Tonight newspaper. And, um, and he was he was not very proficient in in the English language, so mm. it was quite so obviously you know lost in translation. Um, he asked me a question about uh, my. I was doing a concert at the time, mm. a jazz swing a swing concert. Yeah, and um, and I explained he wasn't quite certain on the on the term swing, as in big band swing music. Yeah, and he wasn't so, and the association to jazz. Mm. So I tried to explain to him that swing, what we know is Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and the swing era, it was just an extension of the jazz period. Yeah. So he says, <laughs> he said to me, so you like swinging. How long have you been swinging for? 
And maybe the the youth might not get that, but I think the adults in the room will, and I will explain it to your father, who hopefully will explain it to you why that is funny. And I think okay. your sound man here is uh, laughing because he understands exactly what that means. Um, so. I think we're going to quickly move on. Um, <laughs> do you ever get? Um, do you still get stage fright? Yes. Yeah. Not stage fright, just nerves. As we said, it was just the sense of just feeling nervous before I go on, and. Uh, and the worst is when I go overseas. Yeah. Because, you know, with, with, with a South African audience, you know how to play them. But overseas, you don't know. Yeah. And I think that's... When I was performing now um, in Florida, in America, I I was petrified. Truly, mm-hmm. truly. I was like... <laughs> click, tick, 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 tick. Yeah. You know, five minutes, tick, tick, tick. Standby call, which is, you know, like you're on standby. And then go and you hear the first voiceover and you're, oh, it's me. <laughs> Until I'm able to read the audience, which takes me about within two minutes, I can read yeah. an audience and I know where the show's heading in two minutes. Once I know that, then I'm fine. Then we're home yeah. free. And then it's a pleasure. But for those first two minutes, it's quite hard, especially with comedy, because you think, can it translate to this audience? Yeah. But I'm very good in the sense of that I've always got a team around me, mm. whichever country I'm performing in, where I run through the material with them first. Yeah. Just to make sure that it resonates with them and that they understand <laughs> certain things. Mm. I mean, for example, robots. They don't, I mean, robots naturally comes out and they look at you like, oh, robots, traffic lights. I mean, a simple thing yeah. about traffic lights. You know, oh, shame. Shame what? You know, we all say in South Africa, oh, shame. <laughs> yeah. Shame. Somebody, you know, oh, my daughter gave birth. Oh, shame. What do you mean, oh, shame? But we do. Yeah. So those kind of things are. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite topic to talk about when you're doing a stand up? Oh, food, of course, food. Okay. Food, it just, it literally, it, 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 it segues into everything. Everybody, black, white, Indian, colored, Jewish, Puerto Rican, you name it. We just, food is what brings us all together and our perceptions of it and our thoughts on food. So, thank you so much for coming in today. It's a pleasure. This thank has you for having me. This Kids, Four Kids, Bar Kids. My name is Abby Feldman. I'm 12 years old. Join us tomorrow for another Kids show, only on 101.9 High FM.